All right, John. So let's get in a few things I want to get into before we hit a few of these mailbag questions. We'll hit the coaching search probably. We the coaching search and the draft stuff. There's so many people emailing in questions about that. We'll have no problem covering that with people's questions. Um, but I think people probably do want to hear your thoughts. Two things I want to hit. Lovey, your thoughts on Lovey Smith getting fired. And then Nick Casario did an interview Wednesday morning with me and Seth Payne for about 40 minutes on a variety of topics. Um, and obviously did a press conference earlier this week as well. Um, but I guess before we get into Casario, your thoughts, you've been saying when, not if, on Lovey for the last several weeks. And that came to fruition just a few hours after they landed back in Houston from Indianapolis. Sunday night, he was gone. Yeah, I knew he was gone, so I wasn't surprised about it. I'd been writing a column because uh, to have it done because I didn't want it to happen on Monday when I was on that jet. So right about half, halfway through, I got a tip. He'd been fired, tweeted it immediately. And, of course, then everybody was. And and I knew Lovey was gone because the team didn't even – the team regressed. You know, you and I picked them to win six games. They didn't have to win any more than that. Five would have been okay, but the offense with Pep Hamilton uh, was awful. Davis Mills regressed, and Lovey put all of his eggs in the Pep Hamilton basket and let Pep hire his coaches and determine the personnel, the play calls, and that didn't work. And, and there's nobody locally who watched that team who didn't believe they took a step back. And uh, a lot of the national people don't seem to understand that because they never watched them play. But uh, Nick Casario get one more chance to hire a head coach. And if he doesn't, third time won't be the charm for Nick. He'll be out before they have to hire a fourth one. And this guy will get a five-year contract for about $25, 30000000 depending on who they hire. And they better hope they got this one right. Yeah, this coaching, yeah, for sure. John, do you get frustrated with the national media narrative surrounding the firing of David Culley and the firing of Lovey Smith, considering not these, like, these people haven't watched any Texans games all year? Yeah, not like I did when I worked at the Chronicle. Now that I work for Mattress Mac at Gallery Sports and SportsRadio610.com, I don't have to worry about what they say as far as scoops and things like that because I'm a columnist. And uh and but still, it is amazing, and that's what people are paid to do to have opinions. But it's amazing how many of them haven't have them, and some are right, and everybody's entitled to opinion. I bet none of them watched the full Texans game this year because why in their right mind would anybody have watched the full Texans game this year? Yeah, um, so we'll get into the list of candidates here in just a second. Actually, let's do it now. So the the because we've got we've got some questions in the mailbag. Um, but the, as far as the, the candidates go, as of you and I recording this, there are six candidates who have been requested by the Texans for interviews. And I'm assuming these first interviews take place over Zoom. Um, but the six candidates, three defensive coordinators, three offensive coordinators, the OCs are Mike Kafka of the Giants, uh, Shane Steichen of the Philadelphia Eagles, and Ben Johnson of the Detroit Lions. And then the three defensive coordinators are, uh, Ajiro Averro of Denver, Jonathan Gannon, a finalist last year, also of Philadelphia. And then probably, I would say probably the favorite for Texan fans, without a doubt, D'Amico Ryan's former Texans legend and San Francisco 49ers, D.C. Do you, is it, do you, do you have a favorite, John, of these? Uh, like both a favorite that you would like to see get the job and also a favorite that you think would be the one who, like a betting favorite to get the job among these six right now? 
And I think they will interview other candidates, of course, mm -hmm. under the rules. You can do it on Zoom this week. You can start interviewing them in person after the wild card round this weekend. And I would love to see D'Amico Ryans get hired, and I'd love to see Bryce Young be the quarterback, but there's a good chance both those things aren't going to happen. And uh, Jonathan Gannon, they liked a lot. Nick Casario and Cal McNair sat in on every interview, asked a lot of questions of every candidate, liked him a lot. And uh, you don't know if he'll like them a lot this year after he was had two interviews and didn't get the job. It also depends on what are the opportunities he has. And we know they're going younger. Of these candidates, Eve Rose Lowlist at 42, Mike Kafka is the youngest at 35. And uh, I kind of feel like they're going to hire an offensive coach. Uh, Shane Steichen has been a coordinator the longest, three years, two for Philadelphia, one for the Chargers. He calls plays for the Eagles. And I like coordinators who call plays, and you can get a good idea of what they do because if you work for an offensive-oriented head coach, they're usually going to call the plays. Ben Johnson calls the plays, and he's – took over about halfway through last year. And since he did, Jared Goff has been tremendous. You know, they thought they were going to take a quarterback with the first-round pick that they got from the Rams, and now they're going to be able to draft a position player to strengthen their team, which already has done a dramatic turnaround. And when you're bad like Jacksonville and Detroit for years and years, you should be stockpiling good players. And the key, of course, is to get the right coach. And – uh so Steichen is going to be hot, and they're going to get other offers. Money's going to be a big issue. Nick Casario and Cal McNair are going to have to convince all the candidates and their agents about why they fired two coaches back-to-back -back and are about to hire their fourth in four years after showing stability in the franchise's history. And uh, I think one reason that will help is Jack Easterby's gone. And uh, people understood he had a big influence on the organization, and I think it meant a lot harder. I'm guessing they had people turn him down last year because they didn't understand what Easterby's role was going to be. And so uh, I'm excited for them that they've got this opportunity, but I'm going to guess it's going to be one of those offensive coordinators. Uh, I hope so. I, You know, it's funny, John, when you talk about Detroit and Ben Johnson rehabbing the career of Jared Goff, if Ben Johnson leaves to take a head coaching job, do you think that Lions are still out on taking a quarterback at some point? You know, like how much of it do they feel was Johnson and his coaching and his play calling versus, you know, Jared Goff truly being a a rehabbed quarterback? Well, it, it doesn't matter who the play caller is. There are some play callers that you can't make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? Yeah. And I think Goff should get all the credit for that. And, mm -hmm. uh, and Johnson took a, you know, you can see what plays a guy calls. Yeah. You can see how the quarterback reacts to that. So they may promote somebody on their staff if he leaves. He's only been a coordinator one year. Mike Tomlin only been a coordinator one year. Brandon Staley, when he went to the Chargers, been a coordinator one year. It doesn't matter as much as it used to when it comes to experience because they don't hesitate to fire people yeah. today because they don't mind paying off a lot of money. I think uh, the NFL told the owners a couple of weeks ago they had like $800 million in dead money for coaches that they'd fired and GMs they'd fired and others that are gone. And uh, But when your franchise is worth multiple billions, that may get our attention, but it doesn't really get their attention. I'm always worried about a guy 
who's been a one-year coordinator if he did not call the plays of the defense. Yeah. Yeah. The number was, I saw the article you're talking about. It was an Adam Schefter article. The number was 800 million over the last five years. <laughs> Teams have spent to pay, basically pay coaches and executives to go away and not work for them anymore. That's, and, that's astounding. The Texans are one of those. They got it. They paid off Brian Gain and Bill O'Brien. Mm-hmm. They're no longer on the books, but they got, you know, Casario making five million a year, and they've got now David Culley and Lovey to play, pay off for a while, pay their contracts for a while. And then you have offset language. That if one of them gets another job, you would subtract it. But you know, David Culley, if he comes back after a year of retirement, he'll be a position coach. And I'm not sure any, but maybe somebody will hire Lovey as a coordinator. But the fact is. Neither one of them is going to be head coaching. No, no. So, John, where do you um, where do you rank this Texans job among the openings right now? There's five openings as of today, and I'm guessing there will be a sixth if the possession arrow on Sean McVay is pointed in the direction we think it is right now. It's, Sean McVay sounds like somebody who's who's leaving that job. Um, but the five openings we know of: Carolina, Indianapolis, Denver, all opened up during the season. Texans fired Lovey on Sunday. Cliff Kingsbury gets fired on Monday, I believe it was. So we'll just call it those five openings. Where do the Texans rank for you among those five openings right now? Well, the first thing you got to look at, and this is what Sean Payton said last week, is ownership. That's important to him. Of course, he didn't say this, but he has to have total control. So he could go to Arizona and get total control as a coach and GM. And Mickey Loomis had the title, has the title of general manager in New Orleans, and Mickey's a cap guy. And uh, he worked with Peyton at Dick Contracts, and Peyton controlled everything. They could do that same thing out in Arizona. They could hire him where if he went to, to, to the Cowboys, and that could be open if they lose at Tampa Bay. And uh, they've got a lot of talent. they got Jerry Jones with final say. You know, the Texans will have a lot of talent. In fact, I'm, I'm writing a column for Gallery Sports about Casario, what he said in his news conference, and some of the things he told you and Seth Payne. And uh, I saw an analysis yesterday online saying the Texans were best positioned when it comes to the cap, redoing contracts, and having draft capital. It's number one. I saw that too. But, but for a head coach, you know, having that is great. But you, if you've had an owner that's fired two coaches in two years, and fired a guy five games, it was five or four games into 20 that Bill got fired. Oh, and off, four, four games. Coming oh, off a four. playoff season in which he won a playoff game and led the Chiefs by 24 points. And then you fire these guys after one and done. There's going to have to be a whole lot of explaining to do by Nick Casario and Cal McNair about why that's happened here because agents are going to want to know that. And so I think they're going to have to pay more to get them. But uh, I saw, I listened to an interview with a friend of mine who covers the Panthers who said he had talked to some executive who said the Panthers were the most attractive opening out there. And I haven't thought that for a second. I would say Arizona because both of them, both jobs are open. You could get a coach who wants to have control over personnel. The only one deserves to have that would be uh, uh Payton. Sean Payton, because he, all these other guys need a good personnel guy. And I think Nick Casario is a good personnel guy. I think that uh, he's done good things. He was in task with an almost impossible situation here. 
And uh, I don't know how anybody can deny that. There's a lot of people think you ought to be fired. And I'm thinking, do you really not understand the circumstances in which he took over? And and uh, so I think this is an attractive one, but I'd have to say Arizona because when Kyler Murray's healthy, they will have their quarterback in place, but they need a lot of help around them. But yeah. they do have the third pick because I can see them trading down and getting other picks and uh, – that would be really attractive for a head coaching candidate. Yeah, I just don't know how good Kyler Murray is, John. And now he's getting paid 40 45 million a year. You know, that's that that's the thing that would scare me if if I were uh if I were a, a coach looking at, at Arizona. You brought up Casario. Seth and I talked to him today. I know you heard the interview. If you missed if you're listening to this podcast and you missed the interview, download the Pain and Pendergast podcast. Subscribe to that just like you subscribe to this one. Um, and we've got the Casario interview on its own. Pod, on its own episode so go find that and listen to it it's about 40 minutes um i people get frustrated with nick's answer sometimes because he does meander and give a lot of word salad coach or gm speak type stuff i thought by his standards i thought this was one of his better conversations he's had with us um the the, the couple things i wanted to hit with you john um clearly he was clearly nick had seen the report from your former co-worker Aaron Wilson that D'Amico Ryans was not interested in the Texans job because Nick didn't mention D'Amico by name, but he did mention the frustration of talking to candidates who where there were reports they weren't interested in. Instead, they're clearly interested um, in the job. I felt like when he was clarifying that, he may as well just said D'Amico Ryans. Well, D'Amico's interested, and I expect D'Amico will interview. He hadn't interviewed already. And, um, uh, yes, that's all I can tell you. He's interested yep. in the job. Um, Even he, if you weren't interested in the job, you should still interview. Right. Because it might put pressure on another team that, that you want to go to that's not offering as much money as you want or control as you're trying to get. And you also need the experience. He interviewed once last year, turned down Minnesota because he thought he needed more experience as a coordinator, which said a whole lot about him and his personality. 49ers know he's gone. It's just a matter of where he goes. And uh, so uh, I'd love to see him come here. So I'm pretty sure he's going to interview here. So you think D'Amico definitely, definitely gets a job this cycle and definitely wants to leave to take a job this cycle? Yes, I've talked to people with the 49ers. They knew they knew before the season that if they were good and he's got the best defense in the league, fewest points per game, they've won 10 in a row, which is one of the longest streaks going into the playoffs in a few years. And uh, and it's, it's just a matter of when he's gone. I'm guessing a week after, since you can do interviews, I'm guessing a week after their season is over, he will do couple more interviews in person and then shortly after that he'll be named a head coach um did you did D'Amico we'll get back to the couple more things from Casario here in just a second but as long as we're talking about D'Amico when you were covering him John did he strike you as a future head coach uh I one of the things I liked about one of the many things I liked about D'Amico Ryan's is he was available every day he was at his locker. We could go over and talk to him anytime. I used to tell him how much we appreciated this. I did a column on him last year uh, before the Texans played the uh, 49ers out there. We talked. I saw him uh, before the preseason game this year, shook his hand, said, let me be the first to congratulate you on your new head coaching job. And he just mm-hmm. laughed. He was, I mean, you 
people in New England said Mike Vrabel was going to be a head coach while he played because he used to go in and sit down with Belichick and ask him a million questions because he made no bones about the fact he wanted to coach. I figured if D'Amico wanted to be an assistant coach, he could, but I had no idea back then. That was He, he was here six years, then he went to Philadelphia, that he would end up being a head coach. He never expressed interest in coaching, but you just knew because he was smart, he was analytical, and he was a leader, and he dealt with people very well, not just his teammates, but the media, that he had what it took. I've told players before, Sean, in the locker room, you know, you should seriously consider a broadcasting career when your uh, career's over, or you'd make a great coach. I've done that to quite a few players through the years. And D'Amico, I talked to him one time about I thought if he got into coaching, he'd have a lot of opportunities, but I wasn't thinking along the lines of a head coach. Yeah, and then and who knows, maybe a head coach for the team he was playing for at the time you told him those comments, the Houston Texans.